47 years old. You know how I stayed alive this long? All these years. Fear. The spectacle of fearsome acts. Somebody steals from me, I cut off his hands. He offends me, I cut out his tongue. He rises against me. I cut off his head, stick it on a pike. Raise it high up so all on the streets can see. That's what preserves the order of things. Yeah, I think he's gonna be like a logistic. I don't know. This is all. Yeah, I'm just curious. Yeah, it's all. I don't know him well enough to speculate, but I mean, he gave me like the lead off for the job. Like yeah. I asked him, so yeah. like, he. I think he's involved somewhat. He's yeah. not gonna get like a pink slip or something. <laughs> but um, you're gone. So yeah, I don't. We'll talk about the game. Um, are we recording? Yeah, man. Already going. I think it's just better just to do it like that because then it's not like, and we start now. <laughs> you know, then it doesn't. Fuck. Anyway, like I've already made it weird. But, so. You gotta tell me when we're starting. Start. Ready? Are you, are you announcing your. No, your, I do your like your the intro. <laughs> okay. I just do like how I know this person, why, whatever. Like, literally, like I was telling you, like, I don't care if people don't fucking. The mass audience doesn't like it. Yeah. It's. I don't know. Like, like my thing is that like I I don't. Do you ever you, you have like friends right in professional like cycling you have like these people and you like you know they're pretty good people yeah, all right maybe you don't have <laughs> I guarantee you Lucas you have more friends than I do. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then you like read something they say in the press and the way it's framed yeah. and you're just like God that makes them sound so, so stupid. stupid. It makes him sound like such an idiot. Then yeah. I've also noticed that like I don't realize how close some of my friends are to being my enemies by the shit they say on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> you hear them say something on Twitter, you're like, fuck, if I didn't know I liked that person, we all I would be so would be angry. Right now. Like uh, anyway, but so dude, you had how's the season gone? You had like you had a monster first half of the season, didn't you? Yeah. I did, uh, it started in January, like in Cali? Argentina. Argentina. And then, I mean, Link if you, if you start, yeah, Link Cali happened, okay. so I did, I did Link Cali as well. 
But if you start from like January 1 to now, it was over 120 days on the road. Come on. 50 race days in four, on four different continents. So this is the longest you've been home? Yeah. You've been home for what, two weeks now? Three weeks? Uh, almost two weeks. Uh, and I take that, sorry, I take that back. There were a couple, couple moments where I was home for uh, about two weeks. But for the most part, I th- it was just I on feel, the road. At what point, though, like, are you home? So you're home. But you, if you know that you leave in a week, it doesn't feel like you're, you're not settling it. Yeah. Yeah, I, somebody asked me the other day, uh, meaning could have been months ago. Sure, sure, <laughs> right, I never know what the other right. day is. But they, uh, they asked, aren't you uncomfortable living out of a suitcase so much? And you, you can attest to this, and, and I can back it up as well, that I, I'm more uncomfortable living at my own home, my own house than I am in, out of a suitcase, right? Like, you it's have a, everything yeah. dialed with, with what you need on the road. You, your, your bag weighs 49.5 pounds. Right. You get everything in your you carry-on exactly, yeah. that you know what you need on the plane. And, yeah. You know, you got your bike if you need it. And it's like, it's a, it's, it looks like you're traveling with a lot of stuff, but you're also... You know That's exactly it. what you need and where right. it all is. Oh, fuck. So, <laughs> I, I, I think it's something too. Like you, you're always telling yourself, "I can't wait to get home. Yeah. I can't wait to get home, and I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna eat at this place. Yeah, I'm yeah, gonna yeah. sleep in my bed. Yeah, and I'm gonna make this for breakfast. Right? Yeah. You have all these things, yeah. and then you do that for like three days, and you're like, I'm fucking tired of this place. <laughs> yeah, I know. You're like, I'm ready to go again. Can I get out of here? God, if I just could. I uh, I did one trip a couple years ago where I was on the road for maybe a month and a half, and yeah. I did like 20, 22 days of racing and twenty eight days in three different uh, countries. Yeah, and at the end of that, we flew directly into Redlands. Like we had one race, like tour Taiwan ended, and we had thirty six hours till Redlands started. Yeah. So we fly directly into Redlands, and I get into the grocery store, and I hadn't cooked for myself in over a month. I know that. And I'm, do you ever like just stand in the grocery store, and you're like, <laughs> I used to buy shit here. I don't know. There was stuff that yeah. I would go to. There were staple items. I know. That you're I like, loved. what were those? What were those little round things with with yolks in them? <laughs> what were those called? I end up looking like I'm packing for like a storm or something. Like yeah. I just bought like milk, eggs, and flour. <laughs> like, I, think, I think these are staple. I, oh, water. Uh, I drink water. Yeah. I know I do that. <laughs> it's so true. You're just like, you get, I, I think what it is on the road is that you just get so accustomed to the routine of the road. Yeah. Right? Because like, there's only so much you can do. Yeah. Right? And like, you don't clean your hotel room. You don't Somebody... clean your hotel room. You don't yeah. like. You don't cook your own food. You don't drive yourself anywhere. Yeah, exactly. You just kind of like you we're, in, we're like in this little glass bubble that they pick up <laughs> and they put in different parts of the world, and we like we, we do what we do best, which is ride bikes, uh, right? Do you have anxiety when you see that your bike needs work, like the derailleur's not working, and you're just looking at your bike and you're like, <sighs> I mean, I know I have to take this to the shop. Yeah, but like. How do I get that done? The amount of times I've, I've <laughs> finished my ride and said like, okay, when I finish my ride, I'm going to shower, and I'm going to eat, and then I'm going to take my bike to the shop and get work done. Yeah. And I completely fucking forget about it because I'm used to the mechanic doing exactly. it. And I start the ride the next day with this same creaky cassette, and yeah. I'm like, you fucking jerk. <laughs> You're just a lazy jerk. You are exactly what it is, <laughs> man. And then like, and then you like, as you get older and you you grow through the sport, you start adding like responsibilities and like adulthood and 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 things yeah. like homeownership and <laughs> pet, and pets and girlfriends and all this stuff that you're like, 
it, you completely neglect when you're on the road. It's like I come home and I'm like, hmm, should probably I should probably dust since there's like an inch layer of dust around here, and I might want to fill the refrigerator up. You know, you like kind of yeah. like you're like, hmm. But it takes like three or four days, so like even yeah. contemplate yeah. like the thought of getting that done. God, there's not a maid here. No. The maid's not gonna take care of this. Yeah, why? Is Do that? you leave like the like the staple items? Like if I go away for a month, I leave items in the refrigerator because I know I'm gonna get back and I'm gonna be yeah. totally fucked. So I'm like, all right, I have eggs, I have tortilla, I'm gonna have guacamole, <laughs> and like. This will get me through 48 hours. <laughs> yeah, I do, I do like, dry, like the dry goods, really. Like, if I'm yeah. gone for too long, you can't leave too yeah, much. Right, right. But, uh, yeah, like the two or three week trip. I'll, if they're I'll going away, package I'll for yourself. Some. Yeah, it's so true. Because you, you come home and it's like, you're like, you're totally okay with this eating a giant bowl of cereal for 36 hours. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, what am I going to have today? Hmm. Frosted mini wheats. <laughs> so you've been home now for two weeks and you're yeah. going to be here until Utah? Yeah, so this is like my mid-season break. No sponsor trips or nothing like oh, that? Oh, there's a couple. I have to go to California for one day on the 13th, uh, somewhere up here, like uh, Copper Mountain, I think, on the 20th. Oh, that's but not bad. That's great. They're pretty close. Yeah, so, right, so. right. You know, with, with United Healthcare, it's like as many days as we do racing, the team is also doing the full event schedule that they have yeah. as well, right? So there's like any number of events that we do with like Children's Hospital or Wounded Warrior Projects or stuff like that where it's like... They want a rider to show up, right? So yeah. the 22 of us on the team split the duties of of that event schedule. Yeah. There's a whole separate staff that ru- that runs that, right? Like, yeah. Like, the fact that we have, a, like, a big bus to go travel around to, like, three different races in the U.S. Yeah. It isn't, isn't gratuitous in the sense that, like, we only want it for those three races. It's actually used for, you know, the, the probably 60 to 80 event days that we do separately with the team right so, so that thing that thing are, is kind of like when the, all the other domestic guys are busting your balls for having a bus at like the tour tucson correct yeah exactly yeah yeah it just happens to be out there because like there's another event that's going on right and that's like a huge part of united healthcare's biz- business model with uh with momentum sports right it's like yeah. they <clears throat> they found a momentum sports group which is our our our, our Parent, man- yeah, management yeah. group right they found a way to market uh healthcare companies through the sport of cycling Right. right, and it just so happens we're, we're there's also the pro- professional cycling mm-hmm. aspect of it, the sporting aspect. Sure, of it, yeah, right. But the um, the sheer fact that they've been around for almost a dozen years now doing this, right, with with various healthcare companies, it, they've shown that it's a pretty successful business model. Yeah, um, but that's all, you know you got to take care of the other needs as well. So it's like it's not just a balance of us not just racing, but also um, being present and and like and having direct marketing chances with. Uh, all these different various charities and organizations. Yeah. Yeah. Keep going. Yeah. Keep going. We're gonna, gonna, gonna start it over. Gonna flip the disc. Flip it, dude. Flip it. There's some Fleetwood Mac going. We leave this on, man. I don't edit this. We just leave it. We just leave it going. Yeah. Um. Enjoy. I enjoy the old records. I get you, man. You're straight hipstering. Just out straight on. hipstering out. I knew you were coming, Creed. I actually went out and bought this just about five minutes ago. I borrowed it from my neighbor. <laughs> De- Debbie next door, she, 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 I knew she had one. I have a guy. He has a podcast. I really need to impress on the podcast. Uh, since we can, since all, all these listeners can hear or yeah. can see the fact that I have a record player. I will tell the all listeners, Lucas does have a pretty fucking kick-ass house. It's a project house. I bought this place like a year and a half ago. 
I gotta say, from the outside, I was a little worried. You were, and I was a little the bit front sketchy. Lawn, the front lawn needs some work. <laughs> yeah, there is no front lawn. It's all weeds, man. It's a good camouflage, though, because like, I would never think about robbing this house. I know, right? <laughs> Don't tell anyone. I won't tell anybody where you live, but it's, it wouldn't be a bad house to rob, but it's pretty, <laughs> it's pretty hilarious, man. So no, you yeah. got like, you got Utah, Colorado. Yeah. And then going back to Europe? Utah, Colorado, uh, Tour of Britain, and then I'm on the 12-person list for the World Championships again. Okay. So there's... What's the uh, obvious... You think Colorado is probably the... Of all the three state races, that's probably the more cherry? Um, I mean, if you look at Utah's profile this year, you got two mountain tops, you got another um, two really hard mount, like mountainous stages. You have that... Um, that uh, What is it? The Salt Lake City Circuit Race that we did a couple years ago that was really hard, and there's no time trial. So, yeah, it's more to um, do. Probably, if you look, I mean, on paper, that's a better race for me. Right. Um, Colorado uh, equally is important for the team, um, and we have we've we've shown to have a pretty good like dynamic team this year. Yeah. With Keel and 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 Dignan and Ben Day and and I mean that we've put fourteen out of fourteen out of the twenty two guys on the podium this year. Wow. Whether it's crits or road races or whatever it is, right? Like yeah. Um, We've we've shared really make we've the shared the workload. guys feel like assholes. Bunch of assholes. <laughs> they'll get there. They'll get there. They'll get they'll get they'll get their chance. Uh, it's just a matter of time, right? So, dude, Lucius, I've known you for a while, but I'm not even sure how you started. How did you get into this cycling biz? <laughs> how did I make this my jam? Yeah. Um, a BMX as a kid at the Napa, Napa BMX track. I uh, mountain biked by the time I was like 13. Uh, yeah. I remember I bought a mountain bike because I just wanted to ride my bike to school. I had this, like, crazy urge to ride the three miles to middle school. And um, one of the teachers saw that I had a mountain bike. That it, I had, like I was that kid in the bike shop. That was, sure, like, sure. I, went in, I went in there every day for, like, six months trying right. to figure out which bike to buy. Yeah. Um, saving up paper route money. You know? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, legitimately, yeah. like, like, I would go in and, like, give them $100 How many papers time. did you have on your route? Uh, uh, I had over 100 I think. Had 175. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was a pretty pretty decent sized route. Like, How much did you get paid a month? The problem with, like, the problem with, like, <laughs> it, was, it was all about the follow up when you're a paper boy, man. It's like, oh, you go to follow up, yeah. we'd have to collect. And then, like, I had all these apartment complexes where people, like, wouldn't pay or they'd skip out. Really? Yeah, man. They, I got gypped as a kid. See, I had the best. I had paper route, but I was taking over for a kid. Like, he came up to me because he knew I rode bikes. Uh, to school, yeah. and he was like, "Hey, I'm leaving for the summer. Do you want to take this over?" And I was like, yeah, and he was like, "Okay." To, so it was like I think it was like 150 a month, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But to a kid, that was that's, just yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, that's like so cool. I did it for two months, and then he just paid me when he got back. So I didn't have to do any of the collecting. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, yeah the collecting is always the worst part. But I don't remember exactly how much it was, but. Regardless, I you went, were just on, like I went this on to kid buy it. shaking people down like <laughs> yeah. I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. <laughs> I want my two dollars <laughs> with tip. <laughs> yeah, oh, man. And then it, then it led to uh, riding like the, there was a high, there was a middle school club that we rode with, and then it led to one of those guys racing who actually like this actually guy Andrew turned into like my best friend. We raced with him. I remember our first race together was we. we Race at Skyline Park, which is in Napa, and it was the, like a uh, road race, or mountain bike, mountain bike race. Yeah. Sorry, mountain bike race, and it was, uh, I mean, it was like a local race, but it was the the Napa World Cup at the time, right? Yeah. And 
so all the big pros were in. Everybody was crazy, and, and but there was the beginner category. And I just remember going up this climb in the top like two or three guys, you know. And yeah. I was like, I was like, oh, this is fun, yeah. yeah. And Andrew wasn't there, and I was like, where the hell is Andrew? And so I like stopped and I waited for Andrew. I'm like, I'm 13 years old. I got to yeah. wait for my best buddy, you know. Yeah. And Andrew comes cruising up behind me. He's like, what are you doing? I was like, I'm just, I was just checking in, man. I was just <laughs> checking in. <laughs> making sure you're all right. And uh, he's like, dude, this is a race. We gotta go. And sure enough, I so I just like kind of kept him with me the whole time, and then and then pipped him at the line for yeah, like sure, twenty yeah. second place or whatever it was. Whatever you waited for, yeah. you gotta have it yeah, coming. Yeah. Uh, which is kind of like it's fun to talk about that story because it's kind of defined my career from there on out. And it's the fact that I like I definitely just like the thrill of somebody else winning more yeah. than I like winning myself. And I don't know why, right? It's huh. but it's like kind of this. You, you know, you you feel like you're a part of an effort that that ha- that that like. Do you feel came like you're, Do you feel almost embarrassed when you win? I don't win, so no. <laughs> Creed, you know this. I don't, I don't win, so it's no big deal. I'd much rather share the share the victory with the the guys. Well, that that's like the to only win. chance you have than a victory. <laughs> yeah, so maybe I'm just making the most of it. Yeah, I, I, don't, I, don't, know. I don't know. Um, I was I was part of the. But North- I mean, you've definitely been in leadership position, like with, yeah, with for sure. Tech. I mean, yeah. does that? You don't seem to shy away from it. No, no, no. I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it on whenever I whenever I can. If, yeah. if somebody's going to present it, but I just I, I I also like that dynamic of of, uh, of of having a plan right and like actually executing that plan. Yeah. Right? Like. Yeah. I mean, obviously, obviously, it's great when, when I think we win, when, but it's like it's just. I think when there's not a plan. And even when you're the leader, sometimes when there's not that plan, and uh, okay, so we're just gonna go to the bottom of the climb. We're just gonna get up as best we can, right? Yeah. And if you get like seventh or eighth place, it's fine. But like, if you have a plan to like attack at this point and lead your teammate out, and he ends up winning, it, there's a def- it's a definable like result. Like like no, we did it. Like we. Well, it's more of a sense of accomplishment, right? right. Like, Instead of just like, like being. Because seventh eighth place, you're like, I guess that was good. Yeah. Like I don't know. Like that was all right. I beat almost everybody. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And I like I don't know. I've gotten a lot of seventh and eighth place eighth places, you know. And, and, yeah. Uh, I would much rather watch somebody win and, and get twenty twenty eighth myself or whatever it is, you know, and and be part of that the like the, the process of getting yeah. there and respecting that process and knowing that like if you do that, um, everyone's gonna feel good. Right. Yeah. I don't know. Teamwork, right? Camaraderie, all that stuff. <laughs> all that stuff, which doesn't exist in a lot of teams, but uh, yeah. d- does exist in some. And, and to be part of that with with United Healthcare has been pretty cool. Yeah, they really. Because um, it used to be just like a sole leader in Rory. Yeah. And, I mean, they would have a guy, and then like uh, Keo for the sprint. Yeah. But when Rory moved on, they kind of. They decided not to focus everything on one dude. But well, I, th- I think scatter shot. I think the guys that were there recognized that they had a chance to to have some results for themselves, right? And then yeah. I think the, the new guys that came in by no means were anybody was replacing Rory, right? Right. They, wasn't, they weren't replacing that one guy, and, and yeah, for for five or six years that Rory was there, like he was their guy, right? And like for the most part, he would always come through. I mean, there yeah. were times when he didn't, but when it when it came, he did. A, he did often. He yeah. did often, more more often than not, and and they respected that. But uh, that only lasts so long, you know. And, and eventually, guys like 
they get a little bit a little bit hungry themselves, a little bit ambitious, and they want they want to taste that victory, you know. And I, I, I the way we've seen it this year, like I said, with like everybody getting their chance, everybody sharing their workload, like I think guys are much happier this year. Yeah. Because, because everyone's getting, um, we're doing it in, in a different way with more than one guy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so it's like you, you kind of almost like everyone is a little bit exci- is really excited because you never know where that leadership is going to fall. Like, yeah, there's look an at both. Like, that comes with that. like we, like, you know, we kind of like gave that to to Ben Day. It's like, hey, listen, like, here's your here's your chance, you know. And like we like we we uh, we gave him a great opportunity at both. And, and in the end, it was it was Phil that kind of kind of ra- rose up because of the dynamics of the last stage. Yeah. Um, but still, it's like we we're, we you know we we share it right. We share that workload. Keel at at, at nationals in, in Philly and, yeah. and uh, the crit squad's a great example with all those guys. Like you never know which one of them are going to win and right. who's going to follow on the podium, you know. But they're doing a pretty damn good job at at winning the the, the crit series. <clears throat> um, no, it's just fun. It's fun to be a part of. Yeah. So you um, did your mountain biking as a little mountain biking, little and guy? then uh, did the NorCal High School Mountain Bike League. In uh, in high school, uh, then I went to college at San Luis Obispo or Cal Poly in San Luis Obispo. Um, I, was, I, I went uh, freshman year. I went as like a mediocre cat two on the mm. road, and still like to race mountain bikes. Um, played the freshman college kid thing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I I definitely rode, but I didn't train. I still was that kind of awkward guy that would leave in spandex at 8 a.m. when everybody's like right. kind of debating whether they should throw up or go to sleep, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, how was last night? Um, and so I definitely rode through my freshman year, but I didn't race a ton and then recognized that I missed it my sophomore year. So I went, I kind of went all in, got a coach, definitely like tried to exploit any talent that I actually had. Yeah, and, and who was your coach? Uh, this guy Judd Van Sickle in uh, Van Sickle. That's an awesome name. It is an awesome name. <laughs> he works for he work, He still does works for the UC Davis Sports Medicine Center. Okay, so he worked he worked with Testa and Hayden when they were there. Yeah, and then when they uh, when they moved on, he he kind of took over at the lab. Okay, um, still good friends. Does right? he coach so, you now? No, I, I I still talk to him. I still um, shoot ideas about shoot him. ideas around with him. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, I'm working with Alan Lim now. Lim Dog. Uh, Lim Dog. He's great, uh, isn't he? He is great. And it's just like, he looks at it from a different perspective than most other coaches I've ever had. And it's the fact that, like, it's, you look at it from, like, a holistic ap- approach, right? Where it's yeah. like, there's, uh, there's the big picture, right? And then there's the next race you're doing. And then there's the, the week of training. And then there's the day, right? Yeah. And it's like, how do those all fit together? Right, it's not just like you should do this twenty-minute effort and that five-minute effort and that thirty-second effort, this and that and yeah. that, and, and and hopefully they all come together on race day. It's like no, like kind of like start counting back from like, you know, yeah, big yeah. life plans all the way yeah, back yeah. to to that day, uh, and know, and that's how we approach training. You know what I think a big feather in the cap of Alan is is the amount of time he's willing to spend with yeah. you. Like, coaches can often say like spread over a powerful like just spread a a crazy amount of time on your your files on uh, any number of measurements that you can you can take but Alan will get on the scooter and motor pace you for four or five hours exactly and no other coach does that no nobody does that like that's the difference yeah a coach will 
Some coaches will tell you to go motor pacing. Yeah. But who's, that, who's actually going to motor do, Like, I think that's, I mean, obviously he's incredibly intelligent and insightful and he has a philosophy with his life and that all helps too. Yeah. But I think like a greater part of 50% of that is just his willingness to spend time with you. It's, it's ridiculous. Like, I, I mean, you remember like on Tia Crap. Like, did you do um, did you do tour tuna that year on Teacraft? No. He would every stage at at tuna would start at like eight a.m. Right, and it'd be like a hundred mile race. Alan would wake up at you know four o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And make breakfast out of his fucking hot pot. I know. And a skillet. You know, like I've been along a lot of, a lot of teams. There was, and he was director status at this point. Yeah. He wasn't a coach. He wasn't a swami. Yeah. He wasn't nothing. He was the director. Yeah. Have you ever seen another director who would do that? Never. Well, Never, man. Yeah. And that's like that's like the beautiful thing about Alan is that he 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 he's all like he's all in, man. And it's like he's not here to make money. He yeah. just loves the sport, right? And he yeah. loves like he loves what the sport did for him as a kid. Yeah. And he loves the sport now for what it's doing to other kids right like yeah. and it's like he's always hopeful that the, that next generation is just gonna like do exactly what he wants and exactly what he's always looked at cycling yeah I think Alan's major downfall is just that he can't say no man he's got so many fucking irons in the fire I know it's like it's he, true he He's a, an excitable little man. <laughs> he really is, but I love that about him. Yeah, no, you I would change. I it. would never change that. Yeah. You also get, I mean, like, remember in two thousand seven when we we're getting like pricked by needles every like three days to set up like the we're basically running what the first bio test, the first bio, oh, bio passport, passport. Yeah, you know, we're, we're like, little did we know we're like actually like like d- test dummies for what's about to come in two thousand eight, which right. is this biological passport. Uh, and that was Alan and JV, right? That was like, yeah. They had they had the future. How of the much sport. fucking blood did they take out of us? And swear, so much. And swear that it didn't affect us. So blood. much. It was bullshit. I know. I remember, it was like when we at that camp in Julian, we're sitting there drinking gold water, and, <laughs> oh, and sleeping yeah. on cots. And they're like they're every. Was three that the days, worst training camp in history? Yeah. Every three days, they're taking like four or five. JV miles loves a three week training camp, doesn't he? You <laughs> know what's crazy as sorry first podcast I did JV and it was interesting like you could see because uh, we got on the subject of Alan and you could see the fractured relationship there yeah and it's really weird like being friends with both of them I know and it sounds ridiculous but I just feel like if they just kept talking they would be friends again like I really feel because you see both sides and you know the truth somewhere in the middle yep you know? No, I, I, I honestly wish they would because I think they, back then they had a good plan and they, they you know, they, they wanted to change the future cycling, right? And yeah. They wanted to make sure that guys like us were never left alone. Yeah. Right? Like we always had somebody to, to look at, like to look yeah. up to or lean on when yeah. we needed it. And, yeah. Uh, somebody, uh, positive role models, right? That yeah. weren't going weren't gonna to lead us to making bad decisions. You know what I think happened is I don't think JV appreciated how much effort Lim was putting in, and I don't think Lim appreciated 
how much appreciation JV had for him. Like, I think there was a disconnect there. I, I think... I, I... This is a crazy thought, and I'm not accusing JV of anything, but I feel like JV was almost jealous of how much the riders went to Lim instead of him. You know? Because I think Lim... JV was trying to build this massive thing. I've never looked at it that way. It was like really this massive thing. And it, was, it had to have been stressful for him, right? It had to have been exciting and stressful. And he didn't want anything to fuck it up. Yeah. And then... So, you know, when riders would come to him for my, probably minor things in his eyes, like he'd freak out on us. He would, yeah. He would send one of his like infamous JV emails or texts. Those but, were priceless. <laughs> I wish everybody would have kept those. I I have quite a few. <laughs> I think one day we should start like a Tumblr page with all these emails. <laughs> yeah. When JV like is out of the sport, so we don't like piss him off too much. If we're out of the sport, when everybody's cool, we can post these like. I really, I really wish I would have sa- saved like the ambiguous like BlackBerry ping message I got on like December fourteenth of two thousand nine. That said, that said you're, it's looking unlikely for 2010. You know, he actually talked about that on the podcast a little bit, about how I asked him what he wished he could have done better, and he said, like, guys, no. Yeah, but communication like, would have been very healthy. To his benefit, he, he thinks he might have messed up a couple of times. It would have been very healthy. I remember where I was on December fucking, like, 16th. I, I was training in Georgia, and you like sent me an email like, "Dude, do you know of anything?" <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was like, "Fuck, dude, I don't know." It's a little man. bit late. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was like the, the most like ironic part about that is I got that message on a on a four hour ride with no 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 one other than Lance Armstrong. Okay. <laughs> okay. I kind of just showed it to him. <laughs> Did he like? He was a, he was livid. And then he couldn't help you. Yeah, of course, of course <laughs> not. It's crazy when somebody's like, do you ever have like, because I've had a couple of teams fold on me, right? And you had Spiretech fold, but you, you had yeah. a pretty smooth transition from that. But like yeah. a team folds, you're kind of out for a second. And then you have like these friends. Yeah. Quite, they mean well. Yeah. They send you the like, dude, so sorry, man. What are you going to do? And you're like, I don't fucking know. <laughs> I know. Stop at like... <laughs> Do not contact me <laughs> yeah. unless you have something for me. Yeah, exactly. But right now, I had like this 10-minute window where I was thinking about dinner tonight, yeah. and I was at peace for a second, and then I get this text from you. <laughs> exactly. And now stop I don't care what's for dinner. <laughs> I mean, like, at that point, I hadn't raced in, in like, what, eight months? That's you, you broke your leg. Me. Me. Yeah. So you were out training in Girona? Yeah, I got smashed up by a car, like... Broke my shattered my kneecap. So like you're finishing the ride or we were no I was with Dan Martin. We we're out we we're out like um, outside of uh, remember a mare. Yeah. Like on the way like between Anglaise and a mare. Right. I was on that, that big highway. Road. The big yeah. Yeah. Big big highway in in, in Girona. Ah, not big highway like national it, national size road. Right. It's big, a big two lane three lane road whatever. Yeah. Um. Uh, like a, like a. Slightly, slightly damp day. We're rolling kind of slightly downhill. Dan Martin and I are doing an effort. He's about 200 meters in front of me. We're doing them separately. Uh, car passes me, and I'm just in the bike lane. There's no turning lane or anything. I think they see Dan and assume that I had already passed for some reason. They might have gotten confused and turned. Turned right in front of me. Just right in front of me. So I just T-boned it, like, on the back like, rear quarter panel of the small, like, RAV4 style SUV. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I broke like all my ribs from the back, 
and then busted my kneecap. So, like, in the end, it wasn't the most, like, worst injuries anybody could possibly have, but at the time, it's like when your back hurts, you can't move your leg. <laughs> you're a little bit freaked out, right? How, like, when you were on the ground, was it just immediate pain? Just immediate, like... I actually couldn't, I couldn't really feel much. I mean, I had, like, the wind knocked out of me, but I couldn't, like, really feel much, right? Like, kind of things were, like... It was just kind of that initial shock. Sure. But then you do that you do that assessment as a cyclist or any athlete, I suppose. Sure. Like if you have doing a big, the system check, on the, the system ground. check. Yeah, you're like. Eh. For me, I, I wiggle my toes. Yeah. I wiggle my toes and check my teeth. Like I'll. Yeah, it's, yeah. That, you, I, that's my first. Go-to. Yeah, you lick. Yeah, you lick your teeth. Yeah. yeah. All right, they're all there. <laughs> they're all there. All right. Then you start trying to move limbs, and you're like, yeah. you're like "Can I get up?" And then it's you know, it's like that slow like. Yeah. Uh, process. Like a computer coming online. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a really, really slow computer. Uh, but it didn't. It the, the the systems didn't really check. Yeah, so you I, knew you knew something. I, was I, I knew at that point probably to lay there. I don't know if the back's broken yeah. or something. You know, like let's just like let's just stay yeah. here. And then it was like I just remember like I got a piece of cardboard over me, and then I had a blanket, and then I had like um, people with umbrellas, and then it was like everyone's like yapping in Catalan. And, sure. And it was just like I don't know. It was pretty surreal because I just like was still a little bit dor- disoriented and like it, you know they like, there was like a lot of blood everywhere and it was like kind of like it was like kind of pooling under me. It was like Fuck. all right, like somebody better come quick. It seemed right. like an eternity. Like, uh, somebody called an ambulance, right? Yeah, I know. You're like, wait, like, can I double check? Did you actually call somebody? <laughs> or are you just all talking? Yeah. <laughs> Somebody's assumed, yeah. I assume somebody. Yeah, right. So eventually somebody showed up, and, and luckily I had that. Uh, I had enough friends in Girona that, like, I made a quick call from my cell phone and I just handed it to the ambulance and luckily they took care of it. Like, they met me at the hospital and, uh, you know, everything was pretty smooth there on out. Um, Five days in the hospital, did, like, three and a half weeks of rehab in Girona before I could fly home. What did rehab do? Like, what was the rehab consistent of? (laughs) Like, like, I couldn't move my own leg on my own, so it was just, like, with a rope, just moving your leg, like, on, like, a... Like a, a like, like a like a like a a dummy like a dummy like a puppet you know puppet. yeah where you just like kind of moving it back and Holy forth you're doing shit. you're doing this and I don't know it was just thing could thing, you fire the muscles at all no nothing and so it was because it was just so swollen like everything gets like knee was so swollen that everything shuts down Holy looks like hell, a little dude. like little like tooth like toothpick yeah. uh, of a leg uh, it was funny like I ended up I was I was alone I had there was a couple of people that was were helping me a little bit but in terms of living I was alone sure and but I would so I would take a taxi every day to the rehab clinic and uh it was remember park migdia do you remember yeah, that so yeah. like it was right by there uh and the, it turns out the taxi driver had a very like similar injury playing soccer and so he was like super uh sympathetic and, and yeah. he showed up at the same time every day just he knew to pick me up we you know we drive to the the park uh, i do the rehab and then i like hobble around the park grab a coffee you know like just sit in the, sit in the sun yeah. and then and then take the taxi back it was it was kind of a good routine and then eventually made it back to the U.S. where I went home. And For three weeks you were doing that and then you came back. Yeah, so it was about a month total that I was gone, or that I, from when I was hit to when I got home. Um, and how long were you at home for before you ride a bike? Uh, I started with, like, using the bike as, like, a um, passive motion device, right? So, like, yeah. I jacked my seat up four inches on a trainer and just went back and forth, right? And every day you're like, oh, I can just try, try to get just a little bit further over the pedal stroke. and. Yeah. Um, it was weeks before I could just even do like a full pedal stroke, right? And you're just kind of using the left leg to kind of get up and over that that stroke. And then it was about probably two more months before I felt like I could actually just do 
like some good rotation on the trainer, you know. Um, and then probably total of like three months before I was like noodling outside. Um, but then it was just like at first it's like hour long rides, yeah. you know, and it was like the hardest thing I've ever done. And, and I was probably I was riding outside way a lot sooner. How than were I you should like have. mentally? Were you like were you just depressed or because like the year before yeah. you had like a really breakout year? I yeah, like yeah. You won Univest. Yeah, but then you did something else. Like what was the other? Fourth at nationals, like with that, yeah, yeah. in that move with like, yeah, Danny Blake, myself, yep, Hamilton, louder, five guys going along. Yeah. You um, were like on like the two or three month roll. I remember yeah. that you were just like yeah. popping them off. Yeah, there's just like I finally Europe finally clicked. Like the racing over there was like, okay, this is now my normal. Just like yeah. you go through the categories here in the U.S. Like you, you know, you jump to a three, you're like, this is so hard. Yeah, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, I just won a threes race. You then you go right. to a two, this is so hard, and then you're like, I just won a yeah. two race. So you finally broke through and you got yeah, you got comfortable at Europe. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. then like came out 2009, like uh, top ten at Lankawi, like basically going into you know uh, going into some harder pro tour stuff yeah. holding my own at Romandy and Liège and Flesh Alone and stuff like yeah. that and um, felt good you know and then it was just like as soon as I was there it was gone uh, so it was unfortunate did like, you think was there ever a, so at this point you're assuming that everything's gonna be fine for the next year even though you broke your knee I'll probably get taken care of they know my they know my potential yeah so we're, even thinking that were you like dude I'm screwed like I'm never gonna race again or were you like no no like that I had like I had more fire in me than I than I had probably ever had because like I had this I I looked at it as an opportunity to to reinvent myself as as a cyclist right like I had all these I I could rebuild from the ground up and I could do it I could do it again knowing knowing where I messed up the first time yeah uh so never once was I on that couch thinking oh my god I'm like I'm feeling, feeling, having like so, a bunch of self pity and feeling like they you know, everyone should just be like, yeah, taking care of me and yeah, like, feeling yeah, sorry yeah, for yeah, me yeah. and all this stuff. Like I didn't, I didn't, I've never been that way and I don't like that. And so it was just, a, it was motivation to work harder, like change the things I did wrong the first time, and make sure I, you know, I came back stronger than I was before. Yeah. Um. And f- like unfortunately, like I didn't get the opportunity with Garmin. Yeah. To come back and, and that's when Spider Tech comes. <clears up. throat> um. I had to whore myself out. <laughs> I just I emailed every director in the U.S. and just said I'd race for free. Yeah. Uh, and then luckily there was um, it was kind of a twist of fate where I was actually in Santa Barbara working with this chiropractor named Ernie Farrell who had just gotten a shipment of Spider Tech kinesiology tape, which is brand new from Kevin Jardine, who who is the creator of the product. Uh, he's like, let's try this stuff out, and all of a sudden it like. That I actually started making like really quick gains with it, um, and the whole leg was taped up. But it was like yeah. the, the, it was just working, you know. Like, yeah. It wasn't questioning. You weren't going to question. It wasn't questioning it. Yeah. Um, so I was I was there for like three weeks, and we went through all this like rehab and re- re- um, training and, and strength strength training and, and on the bike and all this this various stuff. And all of a sudden things were really picking up. And and then um, my the chiropractor scene went back to Kevin Jardine and was yeah. like, hey, there's this guy. Holy racing. shit! Your chiropractor. Yeah, <laughs> I know. In a couple of ways. In a couple of ways, and then uh, you know, Kevin is obviously talking to Steve Bauer, and Steve Bauer. I, I had actually talked to Steve Bauer a little bit myself, and and he didn't really, really recognize the connection until this was all made, like in late December, early January, sometime around there. And all of a sudden, it was like, hey, like just we know you're not going to be capable of racing for a while, but 
this is a great story. Right. And it was very organic. It was it flowed really well. Like it, yeah. like the product was actually helping me. I didn't reckon I didn't. Yeah, it it wasn't, wasn't a forced plug. Yeah, it wasn't a forced plug. I wasn't just slapping the stuff on to pretend yeah. like it was doing something. It was like legitimately helping me get back yeah. to to racing at the level I wanted to race at. So like I took my time and and sure enough I came back top twenty at the Tour of California in two thousand ten. Just like on a mission. Yeah. You know, it was like it, it was way sooner than I should have come back. I probably did a little bit of damage. Damage coming out. back that quick just on my knee like it was just like i pushed it a little bit too far yeah. so like after that the, the season was a little bit of a struggle yeah um in 2010 but the fact that i just was like okay this is one year after my accident and everyone was like there's no way you could come back one year yeah. after and, and do well it's like yeah. all right no yes i can right I'm gonna... it's better to come out strong like that and have to slow down than to do a nice linear um, yeah sometimes you just need to come back and just put your on the table exactly yeah exactly so that was that process and, and obviously i want to get back to the world tour since there was like unfinished business yeah yeah it's, i don't know if it's gonna happen i don't i mean i'm still trying yeah uh, but with i definitely the, have the motivation uh, to get there with the way that the uci set up the uci points is is that so like you're just targeting races with uci points or <laughs> i mean i, it, it seems I don't like really, now get, I don't really get that choice you know it's yeah. like results are results and I try to get them where I can um, you know I, I, I'd love to see a team that just sees like potential in me right that recognizes that I was there before right, right? and I'm there again now um, in a different capacity right yeah. like I, I definitely know more now I, I have a better perspective on things now um, I'm, I'm a young I feel like I'm a young 29 yeah, yeah, <laughs> if yeah. you will I know I recognize that like I'm not 22 years old anymore right yeah. so I'm not as Ah, people people don't see the they don't see the potential, right? Like this sport pays a lot for potential, yeah. right? Where like when you're 29, you're supposed to have already lived up to that potential, right? But I I kind of had that year where it was like I kind of it wasn't off, but it was it was you know redefining what I was going to be, and and I've taken a more methodical approach to get back there. But I'm definitely strong enough now to to race at that level. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'll get the opportunity. Maybe I won't. But I'm not disappointed with what I've done so far. Right. No, I don't think you should be. Uh, is that when you do races like Utah and Colorado is it like it's gotta feel like okay is that altitude's climbing like you got it's gotta feel like a really exciting chance so, oh yeah I mean I love uh, I remember I love, last year in Colorado like yeah. it often that you and I were like the only domestic guys left yeah I mean, I was swinging. Like, I was... <laughs> I might as well have had, like, a camera on my bike. Because I yeah. just had... I was just standing in the back. I had the best view. But I could see how excited you were in your pedal stroke. Yeah. Like, I could see the, like... The... I don't want to say anxiety, but... Um, it was a excitement. Bit. Like, the excitement of, like... You wish that... It looked like you could tell that... I, you were wishing somebody would just attack the fuck. Because you yeah. didn't want to be the first one to do exactly. it. But you were just like... <laughs> exactly. You were, you're like, come on. Yeah, I had a lot of I had a lot to give uh, Utah and Colorado last year because uh, I finally I finally reached that point where I was who I was before. Yeah. Um, who the rider that I was before, uh, but it was you know and it was this great opportunity to, to show that on you know on home soil uh, at altitude where I love racing um, in front of a new home state. Yeah. Right, Colorado. Uh, there's just all these different factors that were so. Uh, motivating about both Utah and Colorado last year that you know I, I felt like I had something to prove. And was it like 
you so you come back, you're like, bam, back at this fucking level. Here I am. And then was the transition from the Spire type United thing so seamless you didn't really skip a beat? Or was there like a week or two in there where you're just like, man, what is happening? Like, oh, I definitely was questioning what was happening with Spider Tech because it was... Uh... It was, you know, like... Like, they just signed Dugan, like, yeah, everything was like, on the up. Everything was on the up, and then all of a sudden, like, you don't hear you don't hear anything. And you and I both know, like, when that's you stop bad. hearing things, that's yeah. bad. Yeah. Right? And the fact that you're riding well, you know, and you're showing yourself, like, as, as a potential leader for this team, and there's, there, there's still, like, crickets when, you, when you're trying to ask what's going on, right. I, 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 felt, I, I felt like something was up. And... Uh, you know, I, I express that to Timmy. I express that to the, some of the other guys on the team. And, like, here's what I'm thinking. And, and here's my offer from United. Like, mm-hmm. I'm going to go. Yeah. And I, I, I signed with United two days before they announced that the team, yeah. was, the team was going away. Yeah. But I just had the, I had that feeling. I had that gut feeling that was like, this doesn't look pretty. <laughs> you know, it just didn't. It never did. Did you ask other, like, pro tour teams? Did you call up, like, a radio? Did you hit yeah, I mean, with them Radio Shack and whatnot? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I I, uh, I talked with a couple guys, but nothing ever happened. Yeah, it's hard, man. It's a hard market. I just fucking feel like it's all about UCI points, man. Like, it's uh, either it's, it, it is unfortunately because I think you get to a certain age where it's not. You have to. You can't knock on the door. You have to kick the door open. Yeah, it is. I mean, it is like, the UCI point system is so ridiculous right now. It's like mm-hmm. I love racing. Like I said earlier, I love racing for other teammates. I love watching them yeah, win. Yeah, but the UCI doesn't reward that at so, all. Yeah, and, and sometimes they won't win unless I do that, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you actually, I actually am a pretty big factor in, in that happening, yeah. right? Yeah. But, like, I don't get, you don't get, a teammate doesn't get jacked from a, te- a, a, a teammate's win. Yeah. You know, it's like he gets 80 points or whatever it is for a UCI yeah. win, and, and we get zero, you know? Yeah, but like, he, how like, hard would it be just to kick 10 points to everybody in the team? Not even more, or like a percentage of, right? Like, right. You, you know, you get like... Yeah, team, I just threw out 10. Yeah, yeah, but, but like yeah. even, probably even more. Like, yeah. if it if, if we want to prove that this is actually a team sport, yeah. then everybody needs to, to be rewarded for yeah. a, a win. Yeah. Right? Like, why is there only one guy in the podium? Like, why don't we all just go up there, right? <laughs> is Michael Jordan the only one holding the trophy when he, when like, when they win the championships? Only on posters. <laughs> Only on posters. <laughs> That's, yeah, I, I mean, think it's Scotty change, Pippen was a badass. Where is Pippen? <laughs> Where's Pippen when you need him? Dude, I actually, take that back. That's crazy to bring him up. Homeboy got arrested in Utah like two weeks ago. I'm not even joking really? for punching out a fan. I'm not even joking. <laughs> that was insane you brought that up because I, I read that story and I'm like, Holy shit, Scotty! Scotty Pippen, whatever like happened. If, if I didn't just say that part, I could make it seem like I'm some like basketball aficionado. I'm like, oh, actually, Pippen, he got arrested in Salt Lake City yeah, two yeah. weeks ago. I'm like, You're like, oh, well. no, something happened. He got in a fight in the club. He punched a guy. Yeah, I totally believe that because that guy's probably talking shit about some like yeah. Scotty Pippen. You know who was the best? It was Jordan. He could have done it on any team. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, that was me. That was all me. I didn't get on one poster. Damn you, Cavendish. <laughs> You know, I don't know. I, like it needs to, the wealth needs to be uh, shared because there's there's such a disparity in in you know yeah. in, in value of riders, and that's obviously shown in in the salaries they make. You no, know? if you're a lead out guy for Cavendish, you're good enough to make the, the Tour de France. Yeah, and you say you're this, that, the other. Cavendish decides to ditch out on a team. Uh, he goes from Sky to Omega. Uh, now your team doesn't have a sprinter. Now they don't need you. Now you're on the sidelines. Yeah. 
uh, and then you're and then what's your value like yeah. because you haven't gotten any points yeah you're just, or maybe minimal points and and yeah. and your 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 guy's getting all the points like but he then he takes them all with him it's like yeah. well that makes no sense there's a lot of things i think with the uci it doesn't make any sense yeah but from a rider's standpoint like that's like that's a big one right because it like it it devalues so many of us and and jacks the value of a, a, a select few through the roof right right so they make three million euros a year and we make sixty thousand dollars a year right you know it's like how's that how's that fair on the same team you know what i mean like like that like there's guys like the, the it is the middle the like, middle class of cycling it doesn't wow. exist right you have like the you yeah. have the like 1.5 to like three million dollar guys and then yeah. you have like the minimum guys yeah there's not a whole lot of the in-betweens it is really funny that in cycling you could be sharing a motel six room uh with a guy that makes over a million dollars a year yeah and you're like i mean i'm okay i have a house but yeah but i I don't have a million. <laughs> like it's not even a nice hotel room. I know. Like what other sport is uh, like a millionaire sleep in a motel six with a roommate? He doesn't get his own. Room. I know. I know. I know. It makes no sense. There's so many things that are backwards about this. Oh. Um, and I'm not saying like we all should be millionaires. I'm just saying that there should be like the sporting value of a, of what we're worth should should be more. I think the fall off or clear cut. I think the fall off shouldn't be as sharp. Yeah. Like this cycling that is a big wide trench of a fall off yeah and and because we create that it's like there's always somebody that wants to come in and take your job right like yeah. there's always somebody that's going to be like yeah i'll reach for the minimum i'll yeah. do it I'll, I'll earn it you know yeah. and it's like but then they you know they last two or three years and it's like man, it's just pretty hard you know yeah it's pretty hard when you're not making that much money and you're racing with the guys that and, are. Yeah. and if you're not making points if you're not making points, you're making the minimum. And the team thinks, like, oh, well, there's this young guy. He'll race for the minimum, and he has to promise. We already know how yeah. good this guy is. Like, yeah. fuck it. Let's take a chance. Yeah, so you have, all, you have this, like, this top 10%, this top tier that are always going to be there. And you have yeah. this bottom, you know, 80 90% that's, like, kind of always reshuffling and recycling and, yeah. and bringing in this potential of somebody new or basically somebody that's willing to work cheaper. Yeah. <laughs> what do you uh, – what do you want – to me, you always have other things going. You have like, so see, like you have the ice dot thing. Yeah. Uh, so you like have a cooking show that you. Showed <laughs> no, up on. no, yeah. well, you don't have it. You showed up on it. Yeah. No, I like. Um, I, I don't know. I like to. I like to branch out. I like to make sure that. Um, it seems like you're you're very cognizant that the cycling is a shelf life. Yeah, you have of course. A shelf life, and that you are. Well, I, I saw it shelf life very briefly. Yeah. On a, on a couch in Napa, you know, yeah. it's like, oh shit, this could be over. Yeah. You know, like at 25, what else am I going to do? So you're preparing, you know? it seems like you're very, you're preparing yourself to figure out like what you want to do. Yeah, I've, I've, I've always thought that. Like I've never said that cycling is a means to an end, it's a means to greater opportunity. Yeah. Because you, you meet so many people, you have this amazing opportunity to travel the world because you're one degree of separation from just about anybody, uh, solely because you're connected by a bicycle, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to use that to your to your advantage, and and so the network that I've developed it runs runs really deep, right? And it also like it that those people encourage me to explore, uh, a my 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 potential on a bike and 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 how good I could actually be, but also like w- think about what's next, right? Like right. when you're 35 and and your career's done, like what what's next? Like that's there's a whole lifetime a, ahead. Do you of think you. there's a big lack of that within the pack? I think. You know, I, th- I think guys get very narrow, narrow-sided when it comes to uh, 
what cycling actually is, right? Like, yeah. everyone wants to go to Europe and race, yeah. right? Like, you always hear guys, like, I yeah. just want to go to Europe and race. Yeah, nobody ever says, like, oh, I just want to stay in the States. Yeah. I can't wait to grow up and just race NRC. Yeah. yeah they don't say that because, like, it, we're just, like, conditioned to want to go race in Europe. But, like, you and I both know, it's like, there's no glamour of racing in Europe. Sure. There's no glo- there's no glory in sharing. It's, rom- it's a romantic ideal. It's very, it really is. It really is, and I and I encourage everybody to explore that. Yeah. But like, at some point, you can't. You have to like take some eggs out of one basket and put them in others, right? It's like the ideal <laughs> of a. This is the dumbest analogy ever, but it's just. It's like no, I'll uh, I'll grow up. I'll go through puberty. I'll find that one girl I love, have sex with her, and then start a family. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like no. Yeah. yeah, you should try that. <laughs> Not, I mean, yeah. that should be the goal. Right? Yeah, you should go to and if, Europe. And if it works, Yeah, like, and great. if it works in Europe, great. you're part of the 1%. Yeah, yeah. But, I, you know, I've like, I like, I, I have my own back, right? And yeah. I have a great support network that, that supports yeah. that as well. What are you looking to do? What, what, if, you probably haven't made up your mind yet. No, what, no by no What means. direction are you looking uh, for? You know, I've always looked towards, like, I'm a very personable person. Yeah. I can be very social, I can and I can communicate well and so I would love to be part of like a um, you know, a communications department, a PR department, a mm. marketing department of some somebody and something that's, you know, going in the direction that I feel is gonna like something you believe change, in. Something I believe in, right? Yeah. Like that has a purpose. Yeah. Like right? Like I, I definitely see myself the, there. Tell me about what the ice dot thing is. Uh so we got, we got the ice dot helmet crash sensor that um, I, I am invested in part of a company called Sensatech, where three years ago, um, one of the guys, one of the founders, which is Biju Thomas, who's also, you know, kind part of, of the scratch. part of the Scratch uh, yeah. and Feed Zone book and all that, that, that whole, the, all those shenanigans, you know, he cooks for uh, Radio Shack and cooks for Radio Shack and other various cycling teams. And you mentioned Biju Thomas, people usually know who you're talking about. He's, he's full of, he's full of great ideas. Uh, and one of them was this idea of if you're in a ditch, like, and you've crashed, how do we let somebody know? Uh, and, and then through, you know, kind of his, his initial, like, research and digging, like, you know, using Bluetooth, using, creating a mobile app, using your smartphone, using gyros and, and, and accelerometers, like, somehow we could create something where if you have an impact, it'll alert, it'll alert a mobile app, which will then alert somebody, right? Yeah. And that, and over the course of the three years, we had a, a, this great uh, project manager, head design, head developer, uh, Tim Bauer, who is uh, just just be, took the idea and was like, I could I could do that. Yeah. And you know, six or seven prototypes later, figured out that you know we could actually create a device that senses an impact, relays to your smartphone, pulls up uh, all your personal information on the home screen, as well as sends. Or all your emergency contacts to whoever, or all your personal information to any emergency contact that you've programmed, along with your GPS coordinates. So I crash, my creed is my emergency contact. If I don't shut it off within the, the, the set amount of time, you can set it 15 second intervals. You get a you get a notification that Lucas Euster has crashed. He's he's at he's these here. coordinates. Uh, you know, and you, you like click you, on, can, you click on the GPS thing. Maybe it does like a Google Map type. Yeah, pinpoint. exactly, and you can, uh, and then you can choose to call nine one one or not. Like you can't have an automated device call nine one one. Yeah, that would pr- so. cause some problems. Yeah, maybe. yeah. So it has like an accelerometer on it that, like, if it moves. Have you, have you seen it? No, I've seen pictures, but yeah. not. 
So you wear this when you train alone? Yeah. So, sorry, sorry, podcasters. But yeah. You can't actually see it. But it's really so small, man. It's really small. It's surprisingly it's small. It looks like uh, smaller than uh, a magnet that you would put on your refrigerator or something. Ah, maybe it was maybe about that size. Yeah. Um, and it, uh, I mean, you can pop it out of there. It weighs almost nothing. Right, and then see, I have, I have my iStot app. So does it phone? So when you plug it into that little USB type port, does that does that turn it on? No, that's to charge it. Oh, okay. That's just to charge it. Yeah. Wow. So I have my, I got my app, right? Yeah. And I, I can select my iStot. Wait, you gotta move it around a little bit to wake it up. So it gives it a. Let me see. Come on. I might actually have to charge it. Yeah, dude, you gotta charge your iStot. You gotta charge my iStot. So it pulls up so on it, it pulls up on here, right? Yep. And then, I, you know, I, I will select it. Yeah. Uh, and then when it has an impact, um, you would notice the there would be a countdown screen, right? 15, 14. And, and it's it, it's loud, it's obnoxious. And so, if you, you know, if, you, if you're conscious, you'll turn it off. If not... Um, It'll relay all your information to whoever your emergency contacts are. Wow, that's cool. Um, that's that's version one point When's it gonna go to market? Uh, uh, we're doing pre-orders right now. So are you? Yeah, there's. I mean, they have. They're in. Uh, that's cool. They're in hand. The units are in hand. The only thing we're doing now is is trying to kind of work out any of the kinks with the mobile app, and we're kind of to the point where there aren't any more. How much are they gonna cost? They're going for one fifty to start. That's really good, man. Yeah, and so over the course of, of its you know its lifespan, we hope to you know increase the capabilities of the mobile app, and yeah. and not only can um, you know not only will it be able to notify, but you could also do live tracking. Um, oh, that's, that's really what good. we'd like to build in yeah. eventually, you know. And then uh, it's going to be great for for parents with kids, right? Yeah. Like on the ski slopes, on the on the open roads. Oh, all I don't even think stuff. about the skiing aspect of it. Yeah, and it's it's any action sport really, and ideally we build it into an entire system, um, uh, emergency emergency system on motorcycles. You know. Can I put it in like a girlfriend's car to see where she goes? Is that <laughs> it's not a low jack? No. 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 Unfortunately, not. Yeah. Maybe one of these days. Alright, <laughs> <laughs> uh, thanks. Go, cool, man.